enjoying the outdoors and part of what I love to do in the outdoors is I love to hunt and when I first started learning how to hunt I started by learning how to hunt predators and they they taught me something about hunting predators and we went out into the middle of a field and they set this little speaker out in the middle of the field that made sounds like wounded prey. It made the sound of a wounded rabbit. That's what a wounded rabbit sounds like in case you didn't know. And I thought, what in the world are we doing? I looked around and I couldn't see anything. But after a few moments of that sound playing, Brother Carlos, all of a sudden through the binoculars, I seen little ears pop up over here and little ears as the coyotes picked up the sound of wounded prey. And the sound of wounded prey attracted them all the way. You don't understand this, but the Bible says that our adversary goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is a predator that roams the fields. And you want to know what he's listening for? The sound of distressed prey. So every time uh, you walk around uh, and with complaining in your voice uh, and your head hung down uh, and your body language uh, says that you're discouraged, uh, you don't even understand it, uh, but you're attracting uh, the predator uh, and you wonder why you come under attack uh, and you wonder why it feels like the enemy. Uh, that's why my Bible says uh, that when you shout, uh, to shout, not just with any voice, but shout with a voice of triumph. I want the devil to hear me tonight, and I want him to know that I'm not on the menu. I'm not your prey. I'm not subject to him. I wish somebody would take about 30 seconds and let him. discouraged and even if you're feeling down and out when you walk into the house of the Lord he's higher than your pain he's higher than your struggle he's greater than your circumstance I don't have time to glorify my problems I've got to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords somebody lift up a shout of praise in this house yourself ready for victory that's why them old timers wrote songs to 
to get themselves in the right state of mind. They, they'd wake up before they ever got to church and start singing, uh, in the name of Jesus. I don't feel like it, but in the name of Jesus. Whoa. We have the victory. I wish I had a church in the building now. On a Tuesday night, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to declare it. Devil, you have to flee. Whoa. Then they would come to the understanding. Oh, tell me. Who can stand before us? And they start feeling it. When we call on that great name. Jesus, Jesus. Whoa. Jesus, then they would declare it. Come on, uh, we have the victory. Somebody with victory, give him a praise in this place. Somebody tell them I got victory tonight. I got the victory, the victory. I got the victory, the victory. <laughs> tell your neighbor, my name is Victory. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm Hooper Nikeo. I'm hyper victorious tonight. I got more victories than the devil's got battles to launch against me. When he gets done launching every weapon he has, I still got victories left over waiting for his next. defeated the devil is defeated you believe that tonight you can be seated for just a moment how exciting it is tonight to be in the house of the Lord on Tuesday night amen what a privilege to be in the presence of the Lord and to feel him moving like we do we want to take just a quick moment tonight we have we have a handful of guests that are here tonight. I want to take a moment to welcome all of our guests in the house of the Lord. Would you help me put your hands together and make some noise for all of our guests that are here tonight? We are so honored to have you in the house of the Lord. I need you to help me turn around and tell everybody within 360 degrees of you, welcome home tonight. Come on, tell them, welcome home, welcome home. Amen. You're only a guest for five minutes at this church. After that, you're at home. Would you help me? Come on, they're in front of you, behind you. Just tap them on the shoulder, reach behind, tell them, welcome home. Amen. We are so excited about everything the Lord is doing. And uh, how many of you were blessed by what God did in this place on Sunday? Whoa. 
what what a move of God Sunday morning when the Lord finished we baptized two more people in Jesus name for the remission of their sins both of them received the gift of the Holy Ghost at our Port-au-Prince campus on Sunday another one was baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost Amen. And then Sunday night, we came in here charged with the faith of God in our lives. Tell your neighbor, I'm making it on a plank and a prayer. Come on, remind them, tell them I'm making it. I'm holding on to his word and I won't let go. Well, I wish I had a witness in the building. I said, one old gospel writer wrote a song. Oh, no, I won't let go. Oh, no, I won't let go. No, I won't let go. I was locked in jail. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't got that testimony. Hallelujah. Some of y'all testimony is I should have been locked in jail. See, I can't buy an amen right there. The only reason you didn't go to jail is you didn't get caught. The Lord spare you. You ought to give God a praise because you didn't go to jail. Come on, somebody. You got just as much of a testimony that God kept you out of the pen and he, and he kept you out of the jailhouse and he kept you out of the crack house and he, and he, I wish I had a witness in the building that would give him some praise. Whoa! Amen. And uh, we're so grateful for everything that the Lord is doing. We have been tremendously blessed uh, the past couple of weeks by the ministry a brother and sister Pope. Amen. Would you help me give God a great big hand praise of gratefulness and thankfulness for this wonderful family. Uh, they have been just a tremendous blessing to us here in our fall family series. Amen. And uh, prayerfully you came prepared to take good notes tonight and to open your hearts to receive what the Lord has for us. And I don't know about you, but I want my family to be blessed. Anybody else feel that way tonight? I want my family to be blessed. And having a blessed family doesn't come by accident. It requires extreme intentionality. It requires extreme commitment to have an incredible family. Amen. Brother and Sister Pope, we're so excited you're here. Would you stand with me one more time all over this house? And I wonder if one more time you could give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise and thanksgiving tonight. Come on, as Brother and Sister Pope come to minister to us tonight. Praise the Lord, everyone in the house. What a great Tuesday night. The Lord is here in the house. And the spirit in worship is fantastic. Praise God. This is the third uh, night of the uh, Fall Family Series. And uh, we're looking forward once again in uh, uh, speaking in God's Word and uh, giving you more and more that you can use to strengthen your family. The strength of our families increases the strength of our church. And I want to say thank you to Bishop and First Lady for having the foresight uh, to have a fall families. 
uh, series and for inviting Sister Pope and I to come and minister among you. We always look forward to the time that we can come and spend with all of you at Rock Church. We love you very much. And we, we thank you. And uh, uh, Sister Pope is coming tonight to teach the uh, third uh, series. And uh, you all may be seated if you'd like, and we'll have her come at this time. Praise the Lord. Um, I want to say something before we start. Uh, Duane and I have been coming down here since 2010. And, you know, when you come in, there's things that you see about a church. And I want to compliment the unity of the leadership here. And also, I want to compliment the saints of this church because you follow that leadership and you work together. And that is God's desire. We come from a church like that, so we love when we see everybody working together for the kingdom. Um, I want to share with you a picture you can pull that. We're going to be talking about healthy hearts in marriage, but I want you to know that everything that I am talking about tonight is for relationships. Even if you are single or at your workplace, in your family, these things apply that we're going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about germs that get into relationships, but we have antibiotics that will take care of it. So I want you to look at a picture first about what, oh, what your children learn from you. You're nice, they are nice. You're nasty, they are too. You're happy, they are happy. You're sad, they are sad. Your kids copy you this is not a genetic thing, it's learned. They're taught by you. Think about it. Be a better person to create better people. It starts with you. This is called healthy hearts for marriages, but as I said to you, this is something, these things you can apply to any relationship. And after our relationship with God, our marriage is the next most important connection to develop. But we, we must remember that marriage is a process and it is an ongoing working process. It takes work. We've mentioned before that Duane and I are going to be married 55 years, December 1. And we've had um, some hearty discussions. Do you ever have hearty discussions at your house? <laughs> Not arguments, hearty discussions. But we have learned the things that will help us to get along better. And it is a working process 
process. In Proverbs 13 and 12, it says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. In the Message Bible, it says, Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. This is a delay in the fulfillment of desires, and we tend to make a lot of promises when we're dating and in our marriages as the years go by, but we have to work. Everybody say work. Work, work at this godly relationship. We must not allow unrelenting disappointments to continue. We become sick. Our hearts get sick, and our marriages get sick. In the past, we've heard that our divorce rate in the United States is around 50%. And it was said that the problem was just as bad in the church as in the country. God forbid. But there was a recently a Harvard-trained researcher went on an eight-year journey. She wanted to find out the actual facts she realized that the widespread belief that marriage failure was as bad in the church as the rest of the world would discourage Christians and could even cause them to question their faith. But she studied, researched, and found out during her eight years of investigating marriages that the divorce rate is lower than 50% and much, much lower for those who t attend church. And we are seeing more churches having retreats, seminars, and activities that strengthen your marriage. We thank our pastors for doing that. We still must give our best effort to make a good marriage. It is just plain work. What'd you say that was again? Say it again. Right. Number one, our first relationship must be with God. God has developed the heart of a man and a woman to attach themselves to God. And we receive his love and his strength through his spirit. That's God's will. People who do not have a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ end up attaching themselves to things. First of all, Jesus Christ must be the source of our joy and our peace. Years ago, Elder Sister Dowdy said, He is everything I will ever need. He is everything you will ever need. When our first relationship is with God, then we can give everything to him and trust him. I cannot control my mate. I cannot control circumstances. But you are God and you can help. I am not God, but I need you. Secondly, our earthly relationship. If I'm already satisfied with my relationship with God, then how do I live with this person? God gives us wisdom on how to deal with this person. 
In my studies in one of my uh, seminars that I do are male and female differences. You would be amazed at the differences in males and females. And God made us that way. So we need to study and find out what is different about this person I'm married to. We need to learn their love language. And we must absolutely take time to learn. This is an important relationship. So take time to learn. We must take the self out of it. We must depend on the Lord instead of depending on me. We must literally use the verse, he will supply all of your needs through his riches in glory. If that's really true, then I can wait on God and he will give me peace and joy and love. I will wait on you and I will stay committed to my mate. But first of all, I need to say, Lord, change me. We have a pastor's wife back home that said, in humility, she said, I was waiting on God to change my husband. And it didn't happen until I changed and met his needs. So she changed her attitude and God did his part. Now, when we become a couple, we take two totally different people. And I'm going to have Eric and Priscilla to come up here this, this evening. here that when they come into a marriage they are single in their mind they say I and me in their conversations instead of we say we they forgot that they were a couple now we're a team now say team <laughs> not two singles so one of the things that you may have seen done in a marriage is where we take two single people and as I mentioned to you before there's a lot of evidence on emotionally mentally physically spiritually how we are different and we have to take those two very different people and put them together in unity so we're gonna do that this evening if the fan doesn't blow it away. So we have two singles up here that together they're going to light this unity candle because from now on they will be one the way God ordained it. Thank you very much. Now, if we remain single in our minds, we can become infected with four germs that can weaken, 
or kill a marriage. Couples have ordinary arguments about ordinary things. Money, jobs, kids, in-laws, work, etc. And if they approach every disagreement as a single and they try to win their position, which is remaining a single, it infects them with four germs and interferes with oneness. God wants us to be one together. All arguments are doorways to oneness. But if a couple does not see it as a doorway, they will tend to avoid the argument or use it in a destructive way. Can, can you all be honest with me? Have you had some arguments? Hardy discussions? Okay. There are new ideas with regards to marital problems. It's unusual to find a new idea other than go to a seminar and they say, communicate, 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 communicate. Ever heard that? But new research using 135 couples started in 1980, recruited these couples that were planning marriages, engaged, and followed them for 15 years. The ones that made it, the ones that broke up before marriage, and the ones who divorced. You see, the seeds for divorce were there before marriage. Usually, counselors will try to fix things after they're broken. But prevention, everyone say prevention, is needed instead. This research can be applied to couples already married. The factors that brought you together, the things you like about each other. Now I want you to think about these things in relationship with people at work too. This works for marriage, but it works in relationships. Think about the things that brought you together, your personality, your similarities. Things don't say nearly as much about how you're going to do in the future as how you handle your differences. How you handle conflict, in particular, is the best indicator of how you'll do in the future. These daily arguments that come up every day, how the couple handles these conflicts as they arise, conflicts are inevitable. They will happen. And remember, marriage takes work. Hard. Say it again. Right. How you handle these differences, it's important because people can learn things that will help them do it better. Conflict is going to come. The key factor is what to do when it does come. You can use it to tear you, each other apart, or you can grow from this conflict. According to the research, there are four factors or four germs that we're going to look at. These are ways to deal with conflict, patterns you want to not have too many of these in your relationship. 
You don't want to have a lot of these germs in your relationship. These germs are destructive ways of arguing or communicating in a marriage or a relationship that will infect this relationship and the disease is anger. Say anger. But the infections are germ number one, withdrawal. During an argument, it's almost always the male because women are stronger with language skills. This is something that you learn in male-female differences. Women are stronger with language. Men are more programmed to argue and fight with rules, like football, baseball, bodybuilding, fishing, hunting. They have certain rules. Be quiet, you'll scare the fish. Women can fight without rules, but men cannot, and so they withdraw. Germ number one is withdraw. He says 85% of the withdrawals are men. They withdraw from the argument. It's very common. It's predictive of divorce and very destructive. Sometimes the withdrawal takes a form of, okay, okay, just tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> right, honey? <laughs> I'll do whatever you want me to do. Really what he's saying is, I want to get out of here. I want peace. Women have all of this stuff inside, all of these intense feelings she needs to talk through, to negotiate things she wants to say, hurts she wants to express. And he views that as unpleasant, as threatening and unnecessary. And his way of dealing with it is to go fishing, play handball, play soccer, and it drives her crazy. What happens is one is pursuing the other to talk. Women have a need for communication. They want to talk about things, and the other is avoiding, withdrawing, because he sees this as nagging. Wives, if you embarrass him in public, that's very destructive, and he will withdraw. Men really aren't trying to avoid intimacy or being connected. What they're trying to avoid is conflict because they end up thinking that talking is like nagging. Withdrawal causes the disease of anger for both, and anger kills love. We women need to be careful with our language skills. Because we are better with language skills than men, we have to be careful because words can hurt. Anger is a secondary emotion. Underneath it, there's something else. It could be frustration or fear or loss. So keep in mind, say, when your children are, seem to be angry, you might say to them, Johnny, are you afraid of something? Are you frustrated with something? Have you lost something? This lady right here gets angry when she loses things, like her car keys or whatever else. So 
it is a secondary emotion, anger. Men do not feel as prepared for conflict. They don't feel as skilled in dealing with it. They're not as strong in language skills. They have more intense physiological reactions during conflict with their wives. Proverbs 16:24 says, pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Withdrawal is a destructive germ. Say germ. Withdrawal. Say withdrawal. Germ number two is escalation. A disagreement starts with discussing something and it ends up with yelling at each other, saying things that they don't really mean or shouldn't say, causing anger. Did you know a man's heart rate goes up almost as fast as a woman's, twice as fast as a woman's? When a heart rate of a man goes up and reaches 100 beats per minute, he loses his ability to continue an argument rationally. He withdraws and sometimes he becomes verbally or physically abusive. Sometimes women become abusive. This germ number two of escalation is a dangerous germ. Anger is the end result. It is not just emotional in nature, it's biochemical. There are changes that actually occur in your body when you get angry. Hormones are released, heart rate accelerates, blood pressure goes up, eyes dilate. You've heard of the fight or flight. That has something to do with it. Bad ways to deal with it is to withdraw or escalate. Men handle conflict better in business. Well, what is the difference? In business, in the military, or in the sports, the rules are more clear. Not totally clear, but they keep it issue-related and not entangled emotionally. They have a sense of, I know how to handle it here. Mature couples take a break. Say, take a break and think it through, approach it in a way that is not destructive. They can choose in humility and say something that is escalating and then say, maybe I didn't say that right. Let me try it again. I'm sorry I hurt you. Let's try this again. And don't say, I'm sorry if I hurt you. If is not a good word to use. You know that there's hurt there. So I'm sorry that I hurt you. Let's try this again. Escalation is a destructive germ. Germ number three is the number one killer of relationships and marriages today. Belittling your mate. The power of words. The things you say, little cut downs, say and do things that imply that your mate is inferior to you. 
This is usually done during an argument. The things they say cause major damage to the relationship. The dishes are still dirty. I see you didn't get anything done today. It would be nice to have a few repairs done around here. You're just like your mother or father. I observe that the laundry basket is still full. Sometimes it's the, would you please put your seatbelt on? Would you please take the trash out and rolling your eyes? This is a number one killer of marriages and relationships is belittling. Uh, did that shirt shrink? Did those pants shrink? How about that skirt? Did it shrink? Those are direct put downs. Those continual demeaning statements of complaints about work not done or you're trying to parrot your husband or wife, they're really infecting your marriage with a very most dangerous germ, the germ of belittlement. This is worse because it diminishes the personhood of the individual and the hurt that it causes oftentimes is not discussed because it's hard to discuss. And sometimes when it's discussed, we have escalation or withdrawal. Germ number four, seeing more negative than is actually there. It's a very powerful germ. When you see too much negative in your mate, and people tend to radiate toward bad news, the more negative you see, the more you will see. You think negative, you think more negative. It's a downward cycle and it's called confirmation bias. Whatever you believe about your mate, you both see and hear even if it is not true. You see characteristics you don't like, then you exaggerate them. And the more you exaggerate them, you actually end up believing them. You believe that negative. Change your thinking. Look for the positive. These are the germs that can infect a marriage or any relationship. The good news is that there are three antibiotics for these germs. Antibiotic number one, the first one is the skill of honoring. It begins to eliminate all the germs almost immediately because the skill of honor says, my mate is very valuable, autographed by God. Stop, stand, tell, look at your mate. Tell them how valuable they are to you. Next, make a list of all the things that are very valuable about your mate. It is proven scientifically that if you make a written list of the positive things about your mate, and you keep that list going for years, that alone is enough to sustain you through any crisis. 
One of the things that you have that I gave out today was the good qualities that I admire in. You put your mate's name there or some relationship at work, some person in your family, and you list those things that you appreciate those good qualities. One researcher, counselor, found that he had taken conflicted couples and he gave them several assignments. If he could at least get them to make a list and remind each other of this list on a regular basis of how positive they are to their mate and share that list with each other, he found that 70% of the time, if they only made that list and reviewed it and kept it going, those couples improved significantly and they stayed in love more. Make a list. Write down those positive things. So you make the list, review it often, and add to it. Romans 12 and 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Now, you can go by the scientific evidence, or you can follow the Bible. But they do connect there. Agree. Where would this scripture begin? Begin. Where should we begin with this? To be kindly affectioned one to another. Well, love goes a long way when simply it should stay at home. Let's honor each other by starting at home. To make heaven, we need right priorities. According to Paul, it is to prefer your brother. The most important brother or sister you have is sitting right with you. Preferring your brother is to make someone successful in the kingdom. When we help our mate find their passion, find their ministry, we not only help the kingdom, but we help our mate, our home, our family, and our children. We start with honoring our spouse. My husband and I teach a class back home that we started out calling it leadership. And I want to tell you that every one of you is a leader. You have a leadership quality to do something for the kingdom. But there were people that were intimidated by that word leadership. So we asked the staff if we could change that to finding your purpose. And that was easier for the people to understand. But we still told them, you're a leader. You're a leader when you go home. You're a leader at work. You're a leader on the job. You are a leader to be an example of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 15, 23. Did I give you that paper, honey? Sorry, I've lost something.
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, reading from the Amplified. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. Philippians 4 and 8. Then Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. That's Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. And then finally, James chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's James chapter 1, verse 22. This one skill of honoring eliminates the worst germ in relationships, the germ of belittling. Just going to church does not eliminate the germs. We must read and apply the words of Romans 12:10 and follow them. We must take these skills learned this week and apply them. Romans 12:10 be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. I said it earlier and honor preferring one another. That is the skill of honoring and it eliminates that worst germ of the germ of belittling. Antibiotic number two is called L-U-V talk. Listen, L, U, understand, V, validate, L-U-V talk. Dr. Scott Stanley, a researcher, realized that McDonald's and Wendy's were actually following the LUV talk. They spent millions of dollars on researching how to have a good relationship with customers. They didn't want their customers to divorce them. What do they do? They use their best communication. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? What I like about Chick-fil-A is they say, my pleasure, my pleasure. You can say, I want a hamburger, fry, and a Diet Coke. And they say, let me see if I'm hearing you right. There's, I listen, now I want to understand. Let me see if I'm hearing you right. You want a hamburger, fry, and a Diet Coke. You say yes, and you pull forward. If they had said, you want a child's meal with Diet Coke, you would have said, no, 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 I didn't say that and then you correct the order. But you don't ever hear them say, excuse me, sir, 
I'm looking in the mirror, and I see you're a pretty good-sized person. Are you sure you want a double cheeseburger? They don't say that. That would be invalidating or belittling, and that would take away their customers. The point is they don't want to lose their customers by giving their opinion. They listen, they understand, and they validate. They give you what you want. If you don't get what you wanted, they say, I'm sorry, let me correct this. And they are very careful. The point is, they're careful. Guess what we do in a marriage? It usually centers on opinions. If your mate gives you an opinion about something that you're arguing about, the typical couple might belittle each other's opinion. It can be done with the facial expressions. Oh, really? Or how stupid do you think that is? Or don't you realize how right I am? Don't you get it? Duh. Right? Isn't that what happens sometimes? When we operate that way, we get infected with a germ. But if you use the L-U-V method, listen, understand, and validate that Dr. Stanley taught, your discussions involving arguments can be totally changed. Proverbs 25 and 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver that my husband read. I guess we could listen to the research that Mickey D has spent millions of dollars to learn, or we could simply read the Bible and follow it, right? But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, James 1.22, that he read. This husband decided to try the L-U-V, listen, understand, validate method, with his wife while they were traveling for two hours. They had been arguing about how to reorganize their business. So he did nothing but listen to her for two hours as they were driving. He would repeat back what she said to understand, to clarify what she was saying, and he was totally amazed because she answered her own arguments with some of the best solutions he'd ever heard in his life. He affirmed her solutions because he liked them, and it taught him that listening, understanding, and validating works, L-U-V. The unity candle, it's really of expression of both hearing each other, both understanding each other and both validating each other. What happens that in our minds come up with some of the greatest solutions that will include both of us. We will be stronger together than we ever were alone. It takes time to listen, understand, and validate. L-U-V. Do you agree on everything? No. And sometimes you agree to disagree by respecting each other's differences. 
that is the skill of honoring. Antibiotic number three, the last antibiotic, is finding your mate's need and attending to it 20 minutes a day. Now, in a 24-hour period, 20 minutes is not very much. Almost all arguments take place because people perceive that their needs are not being met. Either the need is not being met or it is perceived that it's not being met. People have deep relational needs in their hearts and they don't think that they're going to be met and they get into arguments. It's like the surface thing you're arguing about really has nothing to do with that deeper need. Your wife and husband may have this need to be organized. My husband is, I don't know if you've ever done the colors, but he is a gold, gold, gold personality. And everything is got to be very well organized and in its right place. And Lorena here can be a clutterer. So that really bothers him when things are not in place. But he likes to be organized. But I tell him, the reason you're so good at your business as a certified financial planner is that you pay attention to very important details and you stay organized. Somebody in your family, husband or wife, may want to have fun or they may have a need to be around a lot of people or to be hugged a lot. That's me, I like to be hugged. Having quiet time alone. Some people need quiet time. Our son has said, I need that quiet time to unwind. I need that alone time. To be able to play sports. Sometimes people have that need. And sometimes people have a need to follow rules, order, and regularity. When we light this candle, the two on the outside are very different people, but we bring them together, we mesh them together, we must use our brains to find out each other's needs and meet them. The researchers found what separates couples that are divorced and couples that are happily married is 20 minutes a day attending to each other's needs. Just 20 minutes a day. If you know what they need and you attend to it, it's amazing. We're having company coming in tomorrow and I have this um, table out on the lanai where I love to go out, take my coffee, read my Bible after I've had my prayer time and I read my Bible and then I study and so I have all these notes everywhere. <laughs> Not in any order, they're just a pile here and a pile there. And my husband said, um, are you going to clean that up before the company comes tomorrow? And is, is the table cleaned up? Almost, he said. <laughs> so every person is different. So we try to meet that need just 20 minutes a day. Your mate says, well, I don't know what her need is. I don't know what his need is. Well, ask. Say, ask. Actually, re realistically, men cannot meet every need of a woman. We are very emotional, and that's why we need women friends. 
We need those girl relationships. If this research, researcher knew what adversely affected his marriage, he wouldn't go there. For example, if we start to escalate and one of us says, ah, that's a germ, that's not acceptable. We don't continue. That means self-control and it means honoring your mate. This couple also believes strongly in a 911 support group. If they cannot settle their agreement, they call one of the 911 couples in their group to help them. This group of people, they are supportive. Listen to this. They are confidential. And they are couples that listen to each other and help them work out their problems. Sometimes we need a 911 couple that is confidential that we can call on. This couple was married 30 plus years and they were not too proud to call up and ask for help. Back to our original scripture, Proverbs 13 and 12, hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Healthy hearts use the three antibiotics, the skill of honoring, say the skill of honoring, L-U-V talk, listen, understand, validate, find your mate's need, meeting at 20 minutes a day. When we both focus on this kind of a relationship, we keep our mate's heart full of hope and healthy. Now, I think we have a picture up there of relationship in a circle. Is that up there? Okay. If we put the word relationship in a circle, and I know you probably can't see it from up here, but what letter is left out? Relationship, relationship. I don't know if you can see that. If it's in a circle, the letter that is left out is the I. The I. What is missing? The I, because it's not all about me. It's about us, right? We change that single to, thank you, honey. We have that single candle. We each have a single candle, and we put it together, and we are no longer I or me. We are we and us. Don't forget your assignment is to write down the good qualities that you admire in your mate or in some relationship that you want to improve. Write those down, keep them, and add to them. I'm going to read um, one that I wrote down about my husband in 2002. Number one, these are positive things about my husband, Dwayne Pope. He's very giving, 
He's unselfish at home and at church and with people. Number two, he is the head of our home. He's always someone I can depend on. Number three, he's the spiritual leader. Number four, he's always been an excellent example for our children. He developed a relationship with Matt and Tara. He is a man of integrity. Seven, a learner, even a learner of things that interest me, like relationships and family and counseling. He whistles a lot, and he stays in a pretty good humor. And oh, does he have the craziest jokes. What was that you said tonight? <laughs> they were talking about, what's your name? He said, Dwayne. He said, you know, like Dwayne the bathtub, I'm drowning. He says crazy things like that. But he, it's fun. He makes life fun. He's hardworking. He always things, finds ways to make life easier and nicer. He has a good sense of humor. He's always encouraged me to develop as a person, and he was never intimidated by my growth. He encourages and assists me so that I am able to develop my ministry. He's kind to people of all walks of life. He helps me at home. He keeps himself healthy, and he does not try to control me. I wrote those in 2002, and they still apply today. I want to finish with a story. It actually was a Valentine story, but it does not just apply to Valentine. Larry and Joanne were an ordinary couple. They lived in an ordinary house on an ordinary street. Like other ordinary couples, they struggled to make ends meet and to do the right things for their children. They were ordinary in yet another way. They had their squabbles. Much of their conversation concerned what was wrong in their marriage and who was to blame. Until one day when a most extraordinary event took place. Larry said, you know, Joanne, I got a magic chest of drawers. Every time I open them, they're full of clean socks and underwear. I want to thank you for filling all these years those drawers. Joanne stared at her husband over the top of her spectacles. What do you want, Larry? Well, nothing. I just want you to know that I appreciate those magic drawers. That wasn't the first time Larry had done something odd. So Joanne pushed the incident out of her mind until a few days later. Joanne, thank you for recording so many correct check numbers in the ledger this month. You put down the right number 15 out of 16 times. That's a record. Now, for Mr. Gold here that likes everything exactly done right, he used to have to take my checkbook and straighten it out. So that was important to him. Disbelieving what she had heard, Joanne looked up from her mending. Larry, you're always complaining. 
about my recording the wrong check numbers. Why are you stopping now? No reason, I just wanted you to know that I appreciate the effort you're making. Joanne shook her head and went back to her mending. What's gotten into him, she mumbled. Nevertheless, the next day when Joanne wrote a check in the grocery store, she glanced at her checkbook to confirm that she had written down the right number. Why do I suddenly care about those dumb Chuck numbers, she asked herself. She tried to disregard the incident, but Larry's strange behavior intensified. Joanne, that was a great dinner, he said one evening. I appreciate all your effort. Why, in the last 15 years, I bet you've fixed over 14,000 meals for me and the kids. Then, gee, Joanne, the house looks spiffy. You've really worked hard to get it looking so good. And he even said, thanks, Joanne, for just being you. I really enjoy your company. Joanne was growing worried. Where's the sarcasm? Where's the criticism, she wondered. Her fears that something peculiar was happening to her husband were confirmed by 16-year-old Shelly, who complained, Dad's gone bonkers, Mom. He just told me I looked nice, and I had these sloppy clothes on. And he still said, that's not Dad, Mom. What's wrong with him? Whatever was wrong, Larry did not get over it. Day in and day out, he continued focusing on the positive. Everybody say, focus on the positive. Over the weeks, Joanne grew more and more used to her mate's unusual behavior. And occasionally, she gave him a grudgingly, thank you. She prided herself in taking it all in stride until one day, something so peculiar happened that she was completely blown away. I want you to take a break, Larry said. I am going to do the dishes. So please take your hands off that frying pan and leave the kitchen. Long, long pause. Thank you, Larry. Thank you very much. Joanne's step was now a little lighter her self-confidence higher, and once in a while she hummed. She didn't seem to experience the blue moods much anymore. I rather like Larry's new behavior, she thought. That would be the end of the story, except one day, another most extraordinary event took place. This time it was Joanne who spoke. Larry, I want to thank you for going to work and providing for us all these years. I don't think I've ever told you how much I appreciate it. Kindness goes a long way when it should stay at home. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? been a 
fantastic celebration of the family and for relationships for all of you over the last three Tuesdays. And again, we thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you, Pastor uh, Bishop and Sister Lady for allowing us to minister to you. Tonight, we have been given quite a lot of information. But along with that information, we've been given answers to problems that occur within the bounds of the family. And it behooves us then to take that information, to learn of those germs, and then exercise those antibiotics within our family to make our family what God wants it to be. A strong family. And again, I say strong families inside the church makes a strong church. We need to work at it, folks. Absolutely work at it. And one thing that came to my mind a long time ago is when a man and a woman come together to be joined in holy matrimony, they're coming from two different locations, just like the two candles we had here. They're coming from two different locations, two different families, two different ideologies and ways of doing things. And you're bringing those two people together to make one, one flesh, as the Bible says. And that's not always easy. And as the word was, we have to work, work to make it happen until we can come together and we are one. And uh, we, we, we just don't have a lot of time left in this world today. And it's very important that we get things together and, and cause our family to be what it needs to be according to God's word so we can then carry out our individual ministries and minister to people that are in need. Praise God, Pastor. Thank you so much again. We appreciate it so much for allowing us to be with you. We always love to be at the Rock Church and to be with you all. Would you help me give God a praise for Brother and Sister Pope tonight? Amen. How many of you thank God for the word of the Lord and for the impartation of wisdom? Amen. We're going to end tonight. I want everybody to just step out of your seat and make your way down as close as you can. Amen. We are the, we are the family of God here tonight. I think it was very appropriately said uh, that what we heard tonight will not only be a blessing to marriages, but they are keys to any relationship that you are trying to foster and develop. Amen. Come on, some of y'all, some of y'all got to used to singing them old songs. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Get up out of them seats and come on. Unless you are completely crippled. Look, even she coming with a walker, so you ain't got no excuses. Get up out of your seat. Come on. 
Amen. And uh, at the end of the day, there is nothing, absolutely nothing in this world more important or valuable than relationships. Amen. And what we have been given the past few weeks is simply, well, I wanted to say simple, but that I would be redundant, wouldn't it? Simply simple. The concepts that have been given to us over the past few weeks are very simple. And they are that way intentionally. The Word of God is, is, is simple. And I have found in my very brief 46 years of life and 26, seven years of marriage, 28 years in two weeks. <laughs> See, when you've been married almost 28, you can make mistakes like that and not get in trouble. If that would have happened in the first five years, you'd have been in trouble. But I have found that in almost every case, there's few exceptions, but in almost every case, relationship challenges are not due to lack of information or knowing, but it's a willingness to do what's right. As a matter of fact, if you were to study the scriptures, you would see very quickly that the Lord never intended for there to be a thing called divorce. And divorce is something that was granted, not given by God, not instituted by God. It was granted by God, number one, for a very narrow uh, reason. But even in those couple of reasons in Scripture that are given, God said it's because of the stubbornness of the hearts of men. Turn to your neighbor and tell him stubbornness. Stubbornness is what destroys relationships. It destroys friendships. It destroys families. It destroys marriages. And all the antithesis of stubbornness is, is willingness. Willingness. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to listen I'm willing to do the I'm trying it's being willing to do a few things and I want to tell you can I just take a couple of moments it's early tonight we're almost done but you see, you see Bishop and First Lady standing here and 28 years of marriage here in a few days. But I promise you, we have had plenty of opportunities, doorways, as Brother and Sister Pope put it. I caught that. Doorways are opportunities for unity. Anybody else get that etched in your mind? What they were trying to tell you is that disagreements and arguments are an opportunity to become closer. 
And we have had plenty, we have walked through plenty and many doorways to become so unified. And I want to encourage some people here tonight that maybe, maybe you're, you're in the middle of some of those doorways. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to navigate. I promise you, if you'll make the commitment, like Brother and Sister Pope said, number one, to God, and number two, to each other, you can rebound from any scenario to have the best marriage you ever dreamed you could possibly have. Amen. And you got to, you got, you'll, you'll come to a place where you, you, you fall in love all over again with each other. See, now we're facing a new season as empty nesters. And for 20 plus years, our life has been about our kids. And so now it's like, who are you? So you got to, you got to learn to spark it all up all over again. So, you know, I, I got, I got to go back to some of them old songs I used to sing to her. I can never find another love sweeter than you, sweeter than you. I said, all right. I can never find another love more precious than you, precious than you. Girl, you are close to me like my mom, close to me like my father, close to me like my sister, close to me like my brother. You are the only one. You are my everything. To you, the song I sing all my life. I pray for someone like you. It's all right to sing a love song in church as long as you're singing it to the right person. And I thank God that, that I finally found after 28 years found you all my life prayed for someone like you and I pray that you feel the same way too yes I pray that you feel the same way too Jesus, we got to dismiss this service. Hallelujah. My cadet to go get my car ready. You have to be intentional. I opened up tonight saying that, and I want to close by saying that tonight. And I want to say this, don't you ever forget that the enemy hates the institution of marriage. I said he hates the institution of marriage. The man and the woman's union and, and, and its umbrella under God was the first thing to come under attack. 
in the word of the Lord. And so if you're going to have a successful marriage, it first starts with your commitment to God. You have to come to a place where you say, God, I'm so committed to doing it your way that I'm going to get them out of the way. And it doesn't matter what they do, what they don't do. God, I'm going to be the husband that you called me to be. Remember, your vows were not, I will if you do. I do if you. You just simply said, I do. And it's amazing, Brother and Sister Pope mentioned this. When you honor your commitment to God, God will honor his commitment to you and your family. Amen. I wonder if one more time before we leave tonight, we could lift our hands. And I wonder if we could just pray for a moment in this place. There there is a, a powerful wave of revival and harvest in this place. And I believe that part of the genetic is the spiritual revival of the home in this house. Would you help me pray? Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray right now for every family in this house, every husband, every wife, every child, every, every friendship, God, every brother and sister relationship in this place tonight. Woo! God, I pray that your word would find its place, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, God. We don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers of your word. God, I pray that the healing balm of Gilead would be at work in this house tonight, Jesus. God, that you would cause healing to take place and restoration to take place and growth and revival to take place. Oh, God. We stand under the auspices of your plan and your power and your anointing, oh God. Oh, we want to honor you with our lives, God. We want to honor you in our our relationships with people. God, we want to be a reflection of who you are in our relationships with people, with our friends and our coworkers and our brothers and our sister and our husband and our wife and our children, God. Help us to be what you've called us to be. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody help me give him some praise.